we're very grateful. Um, yeah, someone's already said to me this morning about how good Ian's book is. Well, I know that. I'm up to chapter 7. And I so know some of the many in my Connect Bible study, you're also working their way through it too. And uh, it is a good book, very relevant, very up to date, and something we need to appropriate into our lives. Uh, let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father, we say thank you for all the good things that we receive from you. Your word says they, every good thing comes from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variance or shadow of turning. You are perfect, you are holy, you are pure. And thank you, Lord, for all that we've shared, shared together this morning. We've been able to express our adoration and our worship through the medium of song. We've been able to share it together around the Lord's table, around your table, remembering again the wonderful salvation that we enjoy because Jesus Christ gave his life for us on the cross. And now we ask, Lord, that we will receive your word your word, not my word, your word for what it is. So it might be the implanted word in our hearts. We might allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. In Jesus' name, amen. Most of us, I'm sure, enjoy receiving invitations. It might be to a meal, to a wedding, or some other event of some kind. And if the invitation is printed on a little card, it'll have those little letters at the bottom of it. R-S-V-P, we know what they mean, they're a, an abbreviation of a French request to reply to the invitation by a certain date. Well, during the Second World War, a couple found political asylum in America and they came from Eastern Europe and they were not well versed in American culture. Well, one day they received an invitation to a wedding and the bottom of the invitation were those cryptic letters R-S-V-P. In his thick Eastern European accent, the husband said, Wife, what does it mean, RSVP? So they thought for a while until inspiration dawned. I think some of you have been around long enough to know what's coming. And the husband said, I know what it means. Remember, send a wedding present. In the Bible, there are many, many invitations from God. And I want to read one of them this morning. I'm calling this a gracious invitation. And it's from Isaiah 55. I'm going to be reading verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We have here a free invitation, a very gracious offer to become uh, a child of God or to, to be in a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. And five times in the previous verses, which I didn't read, the word come is, is printed there in our Bibles. So God is saying, come, 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 and uh, come and seek me 
And, uh, but it's an invitation that won't last forever. The words or the letters RSVP are not there in the text, but it's implied. And I'll deal with that as we go along. God is inviting his people who have strayed from following closely after him. He's inviting them to return to him, to come back to him so that they will experience renewed life in him once more. Also, the invitation is there for those who have not been a part of the family of God or not been part of his kingdom. They're still on the outside. They might be in church, but they're not in Christ. So verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Well, this sounds like there might be a time when we can't call upon God, or um, we can't find him, but God isn't hiding. He's God, not a God who hides from us. But it's only when our hearts are inclined towards him, moved upon by the Holy Spirit, that we are able to find God or discover him. That's when he'll be found. That's when he's near. Eventually, the offer, offer may be withdrawn. It will be too late, far too late. We'll have missed the RSVP. We dare not pro procrastinate. The time is now to see God's forgiveness. I've been to Mexico a few times and um, the Christian cafe over there and on the, on the wall where people sit to drink their coffee, there's a big plaque and on it are the words in Spanish, of course, of James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you seek God, he promises you will find him. Now what God said through Moses to Israel in their early history now applies to us, his church, his people. He said in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7, What great nation is there that has a God so near it as to the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call upon him? God is near. God is available. God is accessible. So let's not procrastinate and presume upon God and say we'll seek him later. It may be too late, far too late. Now is the accepted time. Now is a day of salvation. Moses went on to say in this address to the people of Israel, God had told him that they would turn away from, from following the Lord. And then he said, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. If you search after him with all your heart, and your soul, for the Lord your God is a merciful God. And one writer commented on this passage of scripture, God knew they would fail, and when they did, they were to seek the Lord, because they would find him, no matter what they'd done. It's such a deeply needed message for us today. We also will fail every day. We cannot be holy or good enough for a holy God, but every time we fail God, we're able to seek him. We can come to him because of Jesus, even when we think we are beyond help or full of shame, or that if someone really knew us, they would walk away. Even then, we can seek the Lord with all our heart and soul because he is a merciful and compassionate God. In Psalm 95, the nation again, the nation of Israel was told, today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. A hard heart makes for a deaf ear towards God. We can harden our hearts. We can become apathetic. We can become dismissive. Don't do that. 
the risk is too great. In this passage, it goes on to say in verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way. Let the wicked forsake his way. The wicked are those who have sinned against God, and that's all of us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and repentance is fundamental. Turn away from all sins. If your way is the way of the world and not the way of God, or even a mixture of both, then forsake that way. The love of sinning must go, and the acts of sinning must cease. When God says to forsake, he means we are to, to be determined to stop whatever is wrong and never ever to return to it again. Forsake it. Do you sin with your eyes, the things you look at? God says, forsake it. 1 John 2.15 speaks of the lust of the eyes, the strong desire to have what we shouldn't have or don't need. Do you sin with your mouth, what you say? There can be gossip, criticism, sarcasm, God says, forsake it. Rosie and I are doing a Bible study with a couple on a Tuesday night and we're working our way through James. And if you're familiar with that book, you know that James has a lot to say about the use of our tongues. And also Proverbs very similarly. And it says there, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Whenever we open our mouths, we're either ministering life or death to another. Do we sin with our hands, with what you do? God says, forsake it. Do you sin with your feet where you go? Do you go to places that you'd be embarrassed about if someone knew that you went there? Forsake it. And in Romans 6, the Apostle Paul said that we are to present the members of our body from head to toe, present the members of our body as instruments of righteousness to him, instruments of righteousness for doing right and good things. We can never walk God's way until we forsake our own way. Continuing on in that same verse, and the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. The unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. Do you sin with your thoughts? God says, forsake it. The Bible has a lot to say about our minds, about what we think about. I know the Apostle Paul says in a few places that we are to renew our minds. And the only way I know to renew my mind is to soak myself in the scriptures, keep meditating upon the word of God, and also to read it by reading good books, like what will it take to bring revival? We need to choose wisely what we let into our minds, but also what we keep out. And in Philippians 4.8, Paul gives excellent advice on what we, what we should think about, and many of you will be familiar with this verse but he says that we are to think about what's true what's true what's honorable what's just what's pure think about what's lovely think about what's commendable think about what's excellent and worthy of praise think about these things a friend of mine who was a missionary in the Middle East many years ago said in a talk he was giving this is the description of Jesus. True, honorable, just, pure, and so on. Think about Jesus. Let him, thoughts of him, fill your mind. It's so important that we bring our, mind, our thoughts under control of the Holy Spirit because that's where the battleground for a righteous walk often begins. Do you sin with your heart? 
forsake it. Proverbs 4:23, a verse I keep reminding myself about. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes the issues of life. Jeremiah 17:9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? No wonder we need to keep watch, keep guard over our hearts to keep out pride, to keep out envy, jealousy, anger, deceit, lust, bitterness, and so on, and fill it with love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, consideration, and so on. Years ago, I had a pastor who, in the morning services, just before he preached, he would pray the prayer that's at the end of Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to God. We would do well to make that our prayer fairly often. Previously, I mentioned James 4.8, which says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The rest of that verse is, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Our hands represent our outward life, what others see, and our hearts represent the inner life that we know about and God sees. Clean hands and a pure heart are what God requires of us. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. If we walk in the light, as he, that's God, is in the light, we have fellowship with, with one another. It means nothing has come between us. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But if we say we have no sin, we're only deceiving ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. We're liars. If we confess our sin, though, God is faithful. God is just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the promise of God and he keeps his word. Continuing on with our text, let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion or mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. We need to either turn back to God if we, uh, if we know we're one of his children or we may need to turn to him for the first time if we know that we've never really surrendered our lives to Christ. Or why can sinful people turn to a holy God? The Bible gives the answer, because God is compassionate, he's merciful, and he will abundantly pardon. That's the good news. Psalm 86, verse five. You, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithful, faithfulness. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 103. I want to read verses eight to 14. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He'll not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so, does, so, so he removes our sins from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, 
So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. God's heart overflows with compassion for those who return to him. And according to this text, he doesn't just pardon us. He, just, he doesn't barely pardon us. He will abundantly pardon. That means if there is full and genuine repentance on our part, then all our sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus shed on Calvary's cross and they are forgiven. They'll never be held against us. Have you accepted the pardon that God provides for you through the, the Lord Jesus Christ? But a pardon to be effective has to be accepted. Back in 1804, a man named George Wilson in America killed a government employee who caught him in the act of robbing the mail. George Wilson was sentenced, was tried and sentenced to be hanged. However, President Andrew Jackson sent him a pardon. But Wilson did a very strange thing. He refused to accept the pardon and no one knew what to do. So the case was taken to the Supreme Court. Chief Justice Marshall wrote the court's opinion. In it, he said, a pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it's no pardon. And so George Wilson was hanged. We accept God's pardon by faith. That means we put our trust, we take our trust off ourselves, off our own goodness and whatever, and place our trust 100% on Jesus, knowing that he paid full price for us. He paid the full payment for us at the cross and that we can't do anything to it to earn it. And this is why we can and we should turn back to God. He grants a pardon to repentant sinners because he has a kind and compassionate heart. To be pardoned is to be released legally from the penalty of your offence. There's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open that you may go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. The destiny of those who do not confess and forsake their sins and therefore are not pardoned, according to the Apostle Paul, is to suffer the punishment of eternal, never-ending destruction away from the presence of the Lord. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody, no matter what they've done. We go on in our text. God says through Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. He's saying, I don't think like you do and you don't think like I do. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Well, that's pretty high, isn't it? God's thoughts and his ways are so much more noble, so much more magnificent than ours. But God is also saying, I don't do things like you do, and you don't do things like I do. My ways are beyond you. Coming over to a couple of other, two chapters over, chapter 57 of Isaiah, uh, as we read there, for thus says the Lord, sorry, thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, but also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. To, to revive is to breathe new life as we come to God because of his compassion 
because of his loving heart. If we come in a contrite and a humble way, he'll breathe new life into us. Of course, some people may be, think, think, may be tempted to think that they're so far from God, they're so bad, that God could never love them or invite them into his family and kingdom. Not so. His thinking and ways are beyond ours, and we need to trust what he says in his word is right and, we, and, um, and faithful. He is merciful and compassionate, and he will abundantly pardon us if we turn to him and forsake our sin. Because we sometimes might be reluctant to forgive those who have wronged us, we might think that God's like that. Not so. He will forgive because he is merciful and compassionate and he will abundantly pardon us if we return to him. Return to him or turn to him for the first time and forsake our sin. So the gracious invitation is there, not only in Isaiah but right through scripture. God is saying, come. Seek the Lord while he may be found. That's today. Call upon him while he's here, while he's near. That's now. Forsake your sinful thoughts and ways. Turn to the Lord for forgiveness. He will forgive. He will pardon you. He will receive you into his family. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. This is an invitation that's too good to refuse. Father, we thank you for your loving heart. We thank you, Lord, that you're such a gracious and kind God in spite of us. Uh, we, we really do fall very far short of your glory. We know that in our own hearts. We're, we're failures when it comes to living a holy, righteous life. But we thank you for our, for our mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, who bridged the gap between us there on the cross of Calvary. And uh, whether we have walked with you for many years, or whether we don't know you yet, today, Lord, we want to say, please, Lord, we want to experience your forgiveness, your cleansing, your renewal in our hearts so that we can be spirit-filled believers, believers who love you and serve you and worship you from the depths of our being, people who you can take up and use the way you want to. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Our final hymn is all about Jesus, the one who is our living hope. Let's stand together. Desperation, I turn to 
so much for the, the word Lord that you have brought to us we thank you for Jesus this morning thank you Lord that doesn't matter how great the chasm is Lord doesn't matter how deep uh, our sin is Father you have paid the price and Lord we thank you that you open the door if we draw near to you this morning Father you will draw near to us Lord as we repent as we come and ask for your forgiveness Oh, Lord, you are full of compassion, full of love. You will freely pardon us and set us free, Lord, as we've been singing. How we thank you for that wonderful promise this morning. You're the way, the truth, and the life. And, Lord, we can come to you, come to you, our Father, through Jesus this morning. How we thank you. Lord, we pray your blessing as we leave this morning. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we leave this service, but, Lord, you... You're with us every moment, every day. And so we thank you, Lord. We ask your blessing and thank you, Father, for all you've done, all you've said this morning to us. And we thank you for the time we've been able to spend in your presence, worshipping you together. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like prayer this morning, uh, just come. To, feel free to come down the front. And... Uh, wonderful time we spent together. See you again in another fortnight or maybe even sooner.